0: 94.7 Kumu Kokua Because Kumu Cares This is where we bring in Hawaii's leaders and experts To talk about the issues that you care about And answer your questions We've got our weekly update from Lieutenant Governor Josh Green Good morning, sir Good morning
1: Aloha, thank you for having me
0: why don't we get right down to yeah. business, man? We are at 355 new COVID-19 cases yesterday. How did we get here? What do we have to do to get it under control? And and it's not just, it's not visitors, right? It's, it's primarily residents.
1: Yeah, this was not visitor-driven, although there are always some cases associated with travelers and visitors, but what happened was, uh, long story short, July 4th uh, came, we had already knocked the virus down into the dirt. And then when July 4th happened, that coincided with some of the reopening of our common economy that had been opening up in June, we were simmering at a very low level, but then when large gatherings occurred on the July 4th weekend, it, it, it set off some sparks, the sparks became fires. And unfortunately, as we've now come to understand without a doubt, the department of health, unfortunately, didn't take that opportunity to build out adequate contact tracing and testing which was a a sad failure, but it was also in the context of a lot of other very good work that they had done. And that was a missed opportunity. We meant it when those of us were shouting for 400 contact tracers. We knew that you'd have to have that, or at least that was the right calculation. And because they didn't do that, they were unable to trace and test adequately throughout the month of July. Cases began to kind of surge, and then a couple different communities went Ballistic with the virus. Specifically, the Pacific Islander community got hit very hard. That's uh, large, large groups of individuals that were gathering from a cultural standpoint. You saw funerals spike, a lot of cases, in some cases, family gatherings. It was already spreading in small clusters across the island, which is very hard to contain, mm-hmm. mostly all on Oahu. And by the time you looked up, you started seeing these cases, 150, 170 cases a day. And then Ultimately, yesterday, the uh, the day that we saw 355, and let's hope and pray that that's our highest day, was a reflection of two things: a big number because we haven't turned the corner yet from last last week's order, and also the fact that the the prison lit up with cases, and about a hundred plus cases got attributed to the uh, O C. So that's what happened, and all these things, can, you know, coinciding meant a big number and some big changes that will be necessary.
0: What does this mean now for the reopening of tourism and the reopening of our schools now?
1: Everyone's going to have to be patient. It will be impossible to open the schools for full-on student learning uh, the way that many would love to have it, at least right off the bat. I won't be surprised if we go through the first quarter, at least, which is through October 2nd, uh, before people feel comfortable with a low enough number to not spread the virus. Each school will have some capacity to make decisions, but obviously we have to have a true partnership between our teachers and teachers union and parents and and our keiki. So that will probably push that back a little bit. It's week over week. I had a very good conversation with Superintendent Kishimoto, and believe me, she's open-minded about this. She knows, she's intelligent in tech, she knows that this is a fluid situation. We're not going to put people at risk. It can't be done. So that will get pushed a little bit and we'll be understanding as, as a community. And then finally, Trans-Pacific Travel, uh, There's like I told you, you know, I probably tell you guys too much on the radio from time to time. <laughs> it was already the inclination of the governor to go a little slower because of the numbers. And that was when we were at 100 or 80. So there's no doubt that that will have to get pushed a little bit. And we're asking for the gov to give us some very clear guidance on dates in the next couple days so people can adjust their plans accordingly.
2: Everyone's running around talking about a complete lockdown again. They're saying, you know, they're they're asking us even.
1: Let me be really direct about that. Uh, So I I made the presentation, of course, to the cabinet and to the whole state yesterday uh, during the press conference about exactly where we are from a hospital standpoint and a capacity standpoint with tracing, testing, and also our ICU beds. Uh, I am very close to the full recommendation to have a 30-day stay-at-home order in order to knock the virus down, out, unconscious, gone. Uh, The governor wants a couple more days of data, it appears. I respect that. We already have in place an order which really curtailed social gatherings and no beach parks, no beaches, and so on. Mm -hmm. That only went into effect uh, five days ago we would not have seen the effects until at the very earliest today and probably more likely Sunday, Monday. So we're watching the data like hawks right now. And if today's number is terrible, I would expect that you could hear some immediate action. Either we'll turn the corner with the significant uh, changes that happened last Saturday for Oahu. But if we don't, if we stay even on the same course in the 150 to 200 range, we will need to, in my opinion, add some extra restrictions because we have to knock this number down. You can't have 5,000 cases a month and expect the hospital to, to be able to be at full capacity.
0: What does that mean in terms of, a, generally speaking, the percentage of people you can expect to be hospitalized, how many of those you can expect, unfortunately, will die, and how that affects, you know, like moving forward? Can you shed some light on that?
1: The way it works is for every 100 cases that we confirm, 11%, 11 cases, in other words, have ended up in the hospital. Of those 11, two, about 20%, have ended up in the intensive care unit. And of those two, one has died. So about 1% of all confirmed cases that we you know, test positive and we, we know about has ended up in a fatality. And it's very hard to watch these numbers because I know that that's been a very steady and constant reflection of what goes on with this virus. It's a little different in different parts of the world, but pretty similar. And for us, we know there are many more active cases out there than we can count or catch or test. So overall, the mortality rate is less than 1%, but it's a very clear indicator when we look at these numbers. And yeah. that's how it plays out. Mm-hmm. And and that's why, yes, so just to, let's just do the numbers from yesterday. Uh, yesterday, we touched 355 cases. We had now an active number of cases of 2,558. So think of the active cases and what's gone on over the last two weeks. That 2,558 will mean that 11% of those people will be in the hospital. That's 270 people will go to the hospital. Of those 270 uh, individuals, 20% or 54 will end up in an ICU bed. And unfortunately, 27 or 25 of those people will pass away. So it is, a, it is a serious, serious situation, and that's why when I said yesterday at the press conference that we have to take action to knock the numbers down very low, the reason is to slow the virus and save lives. It is a direct correlation.
2: Okay. Lieutenant Governor, um, what do you say to people who have been saying, oh, 355, that's double counting?
1: think they're high.
2: uh, (laughs) uh, Well yeah, that's the that's a short answer. But i am having people actually coming up to me and saying, Well that's somebody who like tested said they tested positive, but it's a false positive. And how are they counting this? And there's no way they could possibly be two hundred and fifty five people.
1: There's a lot of different kind of natural reactions. There's the fear reaction, which is, oh my goodness, we're all gonna go down, which is not the case. Most people are gonna somehow get through this and we're gonna take care of everyone in the hospital as well as, as possible, better than any other place in the country, very likely. So there's the fear response. Then there's the denial. This is kind of like the grieving process, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go into denial because it's, it's just too difficult to contemplate on occasion. Sometimes just the, uh, the sheer gravity of a circumstance overwhelms people. And so mm-hmm. that's usually the not denial. And then there are, um, there are dumb jerks who just try to say, oh, it's all fake, it's all nothing, well, tell that to people who've lost their child or their kupuna or whoever. I mean, just not it's just not appropriate to say this is a fake and it doesn't happen. You were
0: starting, uh, Lieutenant Governor, to reference the situation with the hospitals there. And can you talk about uh, and update us on what's happening with the hospitals? Because we are you know, seeing reports that with Queens and with uh, Kaiser at Moanalua, that they are at capacity now. So if we're talking about more cases now coming in, there's a shortage of people. Also, we don't have we might not have enough doctors and nurses. Can you talk about that?
1: Yes, I could talk about all that for sure. Okay, so Queens had a good night. Uh, the challenge has been for other hospitals and Queens is that they've been getting two admissions for every one discharge, and that's because the average length of stay in a hospital for COVID 19 has been 10.5 days. Honestly this is a respiratory problem. People have sometimes needed a ventilator. And so it takes them, you know, a lot longer to, to get off the off of the wards of the hospital and get home. So that's a big deal. And that means that you end up getting higher and higher numbers and backed up wards and they've had to expand services and so on. So that's the first piece. Now we've expected this. And unfortunately, even if the numbers get much better over the course of the next seven to 10 days, because of the, uh, what they call it, the cares care. Um, if, even if that gets much better now as we've locked down a bit, it means that we're going to be catching up to the 2,500 cases that that occurred since uh, the first of the month, since the first of August. So those people are still going to come into the hospital. Now my goal is to knock these next uh, two-week numbers way down so we gradually dissipate our numbers at the hospital. Meanwhile, we've uh, revamped our Our team at the Department of Health, the decision by the governor, so that we have more help, more personnel that are completely committed to the tracing and testing mission and a lot of volunteers, I expect, so that as the numbers come down, we can catch up and we can get ahead of the next wave if it occurs. The goal is to keep these numbers as low as possible over and over and over again until we get to a vaccination or herd immunity, both of which are necessary, and we're fine. Oh, wanted to know also about the expansion of the vet. Sorry. So the hospitals in general can surge about 30%. And one of the key ways to doing that is when you do stop elective procedures, procedures that can be put off a few months without any you know, significant harm to anybody, you can use, number one, the operating rooms as intensive care units, and you have extra ventilators if you need them, and you have extra critical care staff, surgical staff, and so on that can be uh, repurposed or asked to help and staff some of the really large numbers when we have them. And that's that's begun. People have begun to make that uh, decision and expand.
2: Lieutenant Governor, I wanted to ask you about the free clinic. We hear that it's been extended, which is awesome. Um, How have the numbers been there? Are people coming in?
1: People have been coming in. They've been coming in a nice steady number. I don't know how long they ultimately intend to extend it. That'll depend a little bit on uh, which philanthropists decide to really go for a long extension or a short extension. Uh, I leave that to the guys over there. Really great, great commitment from Dr. Ireland and Emily and the whole team.
2: But once again, if people want to go and check out the free clinic, uh, how do they do that?
1: They just walk over there. It's, uh, it's in <laughs> Kalihi. It's 2055 King Street. And they can also go to Aloha Free Clinic at gmail.com. Uh, dot com I believe. And just go have a visit. and They have free medications for people you know, for their blood pressure and diabetes and this and that. It's not a COVID clinic. It's not a homeless clinic, but it is a clinic nonetheless to help anybody in need. This is just the way Hawaii has been. It's been a pretty great thing to see everyone come together.
0: Hey, uh, before we get too far from that contact tracing situation over the Department of Health... What went wrong? Like, why actually didn't we have uh, enough contact tracers up in summertime, you know, earlier, a couple of months ago? How many should we have now? And how many are actually on the job as we speak? Do you know?
1: I do know. Uh, well, the the primary problem was it was just not their philosophical priority. It just wasn't. And uh, mostly, Dr. Park just decided it wasn't really where she wanted to put her primary efforts and that's that's a choice that um people made that she made and it was it was against the will of the legislative leaders and myself these kind of things happen it's okay but it wasn't okay it's okay that uh that some mistakes were made it was not okay that we didn't adjust and and bring in more help Mm -hmm. and insist that this happened we needed all along all along over 400 contact tracers. That's a reflection of 30 per 100,000. Actually, some people have been saying you need 40 per 100,000, which would take us to 564. So, absolutely uh, large mistake, and we've now applied new leadership. Now, what would they say? Uh, they probably would say, in fact, they know what they would say. They would say that contact tracing and testing is not the entirety of the response, it's not a panacea. And no one has said it's a panacea. It is simply the one most active thing that you can do. It also provides a lot of capacity to help people actually understand what's going on. That was a mistake. And the the weird part about that was we're kind of all screaming at the top of the mountain. We need this, especially we saw the numbers starting to rise. And I think they slipped into total denial on it, if I may. Bruce is an extremely good guy. And he didn't mean it. He just didn't have... You know, he did not get good information about how few tracers we had. We really had essentially 15 full time investigators, and everybody else was extremely part time and barely activated because they had other work to do. But that's why you, ha- you had to hire the 400 or so people that have been trained and the people that came forward that wanted to do the job. It's uh, water under the bridge now because we have the cases that we have. They are ramping up very aggressively, and we just have to make sure that as the cases come down and God, I hope they do come down with whatever restrictions we can put into place that we can catch up going forward. But sure. meanwhile, the, uh, the, the space that will have to be occupied instead will be doctors and nurses on call in the intensive care unit taking care of patients.
0: On that number of 400 contact tracers you'd like to see, ideally, how fast, like how soon are we going to see that?
1: It's got to be so fast that the meeting I had scheduled with them, after giving them part of a roadmap to to implement, Mm -hmm. 400 tracers over at the convention center, taking on volunteers, immediately incorporating National Guard, they they have so much to do, they really couldn't even come sit and bother with me, which I respect.
2: All right. We... We tried to think of how we're going to do the speed round. I think we got to figure it out. Yeah. We've figured out that it's easier for me to read him
0: questions. So we're going to do speed round manually this time <laughs> just because he's not in the studio. So buckle up because here we go. Okay, Lieutenant Governor, you ready? Yep. Is there a way to take away a bar's liquor license and shut them down for a longer time than just the 24 hours? She says the penalty is too small. They keep breaking the rules, and bars are being unsafe.
1: Yes, can take them away. If the mayor decides that they want that rule to happen, they can go 72 hours, week, two weeks. It's an emergency situation. So emergency rules apply.
0: Vicky asks, my school is insisting on opening unless mandated to go online. Why do private schools get that choice? She says she's worried and she says close them down, please.
1: Private schools have uh, their own private entity rules so they can... uh, They can do what they want. They don't take state money, so they can make those decisions. They're going to probably follow much of the lead of the state, though.
0: Rebecca asks: All the hiking trails and parks are closed. Um, She says that's a contradiction. She says she was unhappy that one woman says it's okay. She ran into a woman says this woman said it's okay to take kids in a cul de sac as long as they maintain social distance, wear face masks. But now we're closing all parks and hiking trails. She says I'm really confused. Which is it? Can we gather or can't make up your mind?
1: The rules are no, you can't. Right now, the surge is too bad. Honestly, though, being outdoors is not as big a risk. It's just too many people congregated. That's why the rules ended up coming down that way.
0: Neil asks, I saw six states band together to buy millions of antigen tests. Can Hawaii partner with some West Coast states and or Alaska to arrange something like
1: that? Yes, we're considering that. We'd like to join that group of six. Gov has that information. His team's on it.
0: Okay, cool. Um, Also, Neil also asked, is there any discussion with the military or the White House about deploying a hospital ship to the islands? I guess like how they did in New York.
1: We looked at that, actually, I tried. I proposed that about a year and a half ago to deal with some of the homeless crisis. It would take too long to get here to be meaningful, but long term, we should have that at our disposal in the region. That's something I'm going to push for. Probably not till two or three years from now will we succeed.
0: Several people asking about the PUA system and lots of frustration still about not getting uh, benefits. Can you update them on what's happening there?
1: Yeah, we've been trying to help one by one. Uh, PUA came in as uh, secondary to the, the, the traditional unemployment insurance, but we are trying to sort through. And they did get another batch of 4,000 PUA applications sorted in the last couple of days I saw. just really difficult because there's a lot of extra data that's needed, and unfortunately there was some fraud. Uh, We're trying to charge that up again.
0: George asks, uh, when will we be baseline testing in our Kupuna care facilities? Also, the uh, situation with the OCCC um, uh, cluster, he says, uh, would be devastatingly deadly if we don't uh, fix that quickly enough.
1: Totally true. We should be doing it now. We have about 3,000 tests that we can successfully complete a day if we're being practical. We can bump to 8,000, but couldn't sustain that for long. Uh, So... uh, just so you know, that is the right thing to do.
0: Okay. Cheryl asks, why do you need a referral to get a COVID test if we have insurance thought that test was free? And also, she says, when calling the COVID hotlines, they mentioned that only symptomatic people can get tested. She says, why, when, you know, the fact that you were exposed to someone who was uh, tested positive would be a risk factor?
1: Uh, That was based on the, the concerns that we didn't have enough tests. The state of Hawaii needs 10,000 tests a day. I'm pressing the guys to expand our capacity by buying a lot more tests. That speaks to buying them in a big bunch, getting 500,000 extra tests with those other states, and then just have free roll-through clinics. We will cover it on any health plan, but we were too short early on. Frankly, anybody who's a close contact needs a test, and that's the time you get approved.
0: Keith asks, uh, since March, did our state prepare for our hospitals being over capacity and short in ventilators? Uh, he says, I truly hope thousands of ventilators were ordered somewhere to accommodate the people needing them. And we have an emergency plan.
1: Uh, we don't actually need ventilators. What we need is hospital beds and staff. They have been planning and expanding like mad. And so the plans are all there. They're ready to expand. But we're only using 73 out of our 459 ventilators, which is 16%. And only 24 of the individuals on ventilators are COVID, which is about 5% of all of the use. So if we want to get extra capacity, all we have to do is shrink down some of our elective procedures. We have plenty of ventilators. We need more nurses and docs, and they're hard to train and come up with fast.
0: If we don't have enough doctors and nurses, what are we going to do?
1: What we do is we expand shifts. People work longer hours. We bring on additional uh additional staff that can be supportive. You bring on additional nurses' aides, and you gradually do all that you just can. Uh, This is just what we do in times of crisis. We have actually reached out to the mainland and begun the conversation to bring some extra staff in if necessary, minding, of course, the fact that some of these other states are also seeing the same kind of surge, and they certainly can't sacrifice any of their teams. But uh, lots of relationships around the country, which we will use if we need it.
2: Uh, April Shroom is asking, uh, why are pay-to-play recreational activities open on Oahu, but hundreds of miles of trails are closed? Uh, she says, golfing and the water park, gyms all open, yet free public trails are closed. Uh, what do I do with my kids?
1: You know what? Call Caldwell. I don't know why he likes golfing to be open or whatever.
2: So for you, shut it all down?
1: Well, just for now. I mean, it mm-hmm. was a, I just think that when you're going to shut stuff down, shut it down fairly, get it done, knock down the virus, and then everything opens up normally. Okay,
0: thank you. Vicki is asking, why can schools have more than 10 in a class without the six-feet distancing?
1: They shouldn't. They should go with the numbers that are, are the standard, whether we're setting the number of 10 for a different kind of room or office or whatever. And so a lot of that consideration is being made to, to at least spread out and decrease the volume. Of course, there are some restaurants, quote-unquote, that weren't considered bars that, you know, have 15 or 20 people in and they're socially distanced. Uh, kids are not uh, high risk as far as getting too sick themselves, but there is some increasing uh, belief that children under 10 who have minimal symptoms can have high viral loads and be spreaders. Mm
2: -hmm. And that's
1: a, you know, that's a pretty big concern if you're a teacher. Teachers in my mind are, are, have always been wonderful, but now they're becoming, you know, heroic first responders if they have to go and be in, in a classroom with a lot of people. So that's what's being worked out, and these are the processes that we see. A lot of people
0: are just saying, close everything down regarding any kind of travel whatsoever. And many questions in this thread are asking about why are we still having people, quote-unquote, escaping from quarantine?
1: Uh, we have people, because that's human nature, to, um, <laughs> to you know, to try to get away with stuff.
0: But mm-hmm.
1: it's a very small number. Going through quarantine is a... Uh, it's hard to believe someone would fly to Hawaii and take that risk, and I hope they do get fined $5,000 if they break quarantine, if they came from the mainland and, and tried to get around our rules. As to total lockdown, we've been virtually at total lockdown, I and mean, we've been at under one and a half, two 2% of all travelers here, but we're also trying to send the message that this is the time to lay low, be quiet, and frankly, just kill the virus over the course of essentially four weeks. It might take six weeks, but... These cycles will end it if there's nowhere to spread it. But if you want to get the economy going again, we've got to knock these numbers way, way down.
2: Uh, Lieutenant Governor, I'm curious. People are actually asking me. Somebody in my family uh, was exposed to somebody who's COVID positive and they come into my house. What do I do now? Do I need to get tested? Do they need to get tested? You know what I mean? People are getting confused as to how they do it. And then how do they get the test? Because they're calling the COVID hotline test or COVID hotline number. And they're saying, well, if you're not symptomatic, then you can't get a test.
1: Yeah, that's a mistake. If they ever, if they are close contact, they need to be tested. There are several physicians. You know, Miskovich is one of them. He will test people if they're close contact. Their, their primary care physician should arrange it. They need to be tested if they're close contact. Now, here's what you do. If you have... Your significant other tests positive, comes home. You need to totally isolate from them. It's very hard. If you can't fully isolate from them, you you need to ride it out with them. These are nuances. It's just otherwise impossible to function as a society if everybody, everybody, when they touch anyone, has to go into a you know a full full on quarantine. So that's uh, that's where it is. It's hard, and it's particularly hard for for individuals that live in a small household with a lot of people which is what we were seeing uh, in some of our communities across across Oahu. So I know how difficult it is. The moment you get symptomatic, you've got to get tested. You can pretty much assume that you are positive, however, if you have a confirmed case in your house and you start feeling fever, aches, you know, any cough. And, of course, if you get short of breath, you may have to go to the hospital.
0: Sir, can you help us um, sort out an issue that uh, another issue that our listeners have asked us about over and over again? The question was whether businesses, uh, things like restaurants um, and other businesses ought to be required to disclose if an employee has come down with COVID-19. Like it's it's not being consistently reported right now. Does the public have a right to that information? And if so, how can they get access to that?
1: There are significant privacy rules that prevent Singling out uh, businesses, what what the obligation is? It's not on the employer. It's on the healthcare provider to tell the Department of Health of every case that they've tested and every every person that's become positive. And that's why the contact tracing is so necessary because then those individuals are instructed to stay home. It is the uh, the proper ethical thing for them to obviously share with their you know their employer that they were positive because. They could have been sitting next to co-workers or fellow employees that now need to go into uh, either 14-day quarantine and isolation or to go get a test. So that's the way it's supposed to work, but it's not actually the employer's responsibility to be telling the media or others that they've had sick uh, individuals. The good way to do it, the best approach is just to be honest. That's the nicest thing to do, the appropriate thing to do, uh, but it is not technically an obligation because you can start violating certain – if you're too specific, you violate certain uh, principles of HIPAA. That's the privacy rules around Mm -hmm. healthcare. And there have been a lot of examples of people being victimized if they've had their information shared. It's it's an unfortunate reality of illness.
0: But unfortunately, I mean, I don't know, in Hawaii here, we don't – so far, so Hmm. far in this pandemic, we don't have a a great record of that happening, so –
1: well, let's, but let's 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 drill down on what actually causes spread, though. Mm-hmm. You know, just for fairness, mm-hmm. uh, people are not getting it like widely at at uh, at the takeout or if they've gone to a restaurant. They're getting it from people that they're spending significant amounts of time face to face with, probably without masks, or a coworker where they spend several hours and maybe they do have a mask, but they go and have lunch together, or they so therefore their masks are off while they're eating, and then you get the spread. That's really been what's gone on. It's not been I went and picked up my takeout or I um, had a 45-minute lunch and it was the waitress that gave it to me. That's just not really how it's going. It's the big gatherings out, um, outdoors or indoors, but the big gatherings where people have a lot of extended contact. And then remember, the definition of a close contact, which is what it usually takes to catch it, is 15 minutes face-to-face without proper protection. That's mm-hmm. when you end up you know, being a close contact and, and a likely spread. So think about how many times if you went into Costco of the single out them for a second, did you actually have that much time across from somebody that was also positive and they didn't have your mask on? I mean, it's just not it's just not likely. That's not the way it's really being spread. Instead, if you are in the parking lot and you run into somebody and you haven't seen them in a while and you decide to give them a big hug and you don't have your masks on and it feels like no big deal and you're three feet away from them, And then you find out later, oh, man. My buddy called me, he was positive, and I just was. I just spent 45 minutes while I finished off my pizza cup, so pizza, talking to him. Mm-hmm. That's when you caught it, mm-hmm. in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So, okay. that's, that's the more real scenario. Thank Got you, it. Lieutenant
2: Governor. Uh, just one quick follow-up on that one, because as you were talking about it, it made me think, that might be why. Because people are saying, why are you picking on the bars? I don't understand what the deal is with the bars. You're going to a bar, and you're going to hang out for a while. And you're going to hang out with your friends. And it's going to be a situation where you're face to face for a while. Is that kind of what the thinking is?
1: That is. That's uh, unfortunately. Unless you start more getting drunk, reality. and
2: then you don't even care, and you're like, "I love you, man." So,
1: yeah, if bars and some bars did a really great job with social distancing, yeah, and, yeah, and they felt um, that it was not fair to them, and it's probably an unfair singling out, and that's why I, I was pretty clear where I felt that if we're going to shut down certain specific businesses, that we should support and the city should do this because we gave them all this money. We should support some of their overhead so that they don't go out of business specifically because they were the only ones that were singled out. Yeah. And from my point of view, that's, that's a fair thing to do.
2: Mm. Is, do you feel like there's any movement at all to do something like that?
1: I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm the number two. So, mm. uh, the mayor make that decision. They, they were given like $360 million and, most of it needs to be spent on health care and hopefully testing and screening and beefing up law enforcement and all those things. But they should continue to do grants, kind of micro grants, month over month to help people. The state will handle the larger part of unemployment insurance and, and the hospitals. But that's a good place for the cities and the mayors to help a lot. So hopefully they can do that. They know their bars, apparently, so they can they can manage that.
0: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 94.7 <laughs> Kumu, 824 on your rise and drive. We're talking with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green about COVID-19. Um, Sir, can you talk about um, evictions uh, in terms of suspending evictions? Do you think we're going to be hearing some kind of direction from the administration in terms of uh, asking landlords to hold off a bit longer?
1: I think we need that. I, I won't be surprised if we have to uh, hold off on evictions all the way till the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Things are. Of course, going month over month, but if that happens, we're going to need to give more support to landlords too.
0: Okay, so we're going to. You think we can look forward to seeing some kind of direction about the evictions and so forth sometime soon?
1: Uh, I do actually, and each time do a new uh, each time the attorney general does the updated emergency proclamation for the governor. Mm -hmm. uh, That's always kind of top of mind. Okay, food, housing, security, and of course all of the new rules that have to be addressed, whether it's uh, new restrictions or lessening restrictions.
0: Okay, got it. Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much. Uh, That was Lieutenant Governor Josh Green uh, for our Kumukukua segment talking about uh, COVID-19. And uh, we look forward to having you again next week. Thank you, sir.
1: You bet. Take care.